Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Well, earlier this spring, Republican Senator John Thune of South Dakota led 40 other senators in reintroducing legislation to permanently repeal the federal estate tax, also called the death tax. Thune says the death tax unfairly affects farmers and ranchers as they try to pass on the family operation. I would say family-owned farms and ranches often bear the brunt of the tax, which makes it difficult and costly to pass these businesses down to future generations. And if anything, in rural America and places like uh, South Dakota, we want to make it possible for that uh, family farm to stay in the family. Thune has long been a supporter of efforts to repeal the death tax. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that I was involved with uh, negotiating back in 2017 uh, doubled the individual estate and gift tax exclusion uh, at the time and then adjusted it for inflation through 2025. But uh, under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, the, that increase is only temporary. All these things expire in 2025 and snap back to the earlier level. So unless that in, increased exclusion is extended uh, or the tax is completely repealed by 2026, the exclusion amount would revert to its pre-2018 level. And that starts capturing a whole bunch more uh, farmers and ranchers. Now, according to Senator Thune, the costs on business owners from the death tax are substantial and burdensome. But if we can't at least get this temporary exemption level extended here in a couple of years, uh, it's going to increase dramatically the uncertainty and the planning costs that uh, family-owned businesses, farms, and ranches have to deal with. And, uh, and that in and of itself is a huge burden. There's a study out there by the Tax Foundation that estimates the compliance costs associated just with complying with the death tax amount to about $18 billion annually. Because of the financial realities of agriculture, it can be difficult for farmers and ranchers to pass on those businesses to the next generation. It allows the federal government really to claim up to 40% of, um, you know, a, a, of a taxable estate. And, you know, your liquid assets, in other words, the cash that a farmer might have available, uh, isn't likely to come close to covering the tax bill from the federal government. So the only thing that ends up being left is for the children to do uh, you know, is to start selling off farm equipment and land. And, um, you know, in some cases, they might be able to, to keep the farm, but a smaller version of it. And others may have to sell off the farm entirely. And the same thing can happen with other types of family-owned businesses. And again, that is South Dakota Republican Senator John Thune. Well, the latest World Agricultural Supply and Demand report from USDA in April offered little change for the domestic soybean crop, but did bring significant cuts to the South American crop. Mac Marshall, United Soybean Board Vice President of Market Intelligence, says the report is typical for this time of year. No major changes on the U.S. balance sheet. The big figure there is that cut to Argentine soybean production. Last month, we saw a cut from 41 million to 33 million metric tons. And now the subsequent cut of 6 million metric tons is it's pretty staggering in magnitude, but it does also bring the expected production closer to what some local market estimates have put it at. But all in all, really testament to how much production in Argentina has suffered this year due to La Nina. Meanwhile, crush capacity in the United States is expanding due to the growing demand for soybean oil, bringing additional crush for feedstuffs, a move Marshall calls exciting for the future. 
the market has reevaluated oil over the last couple of years. And while the prices for oil aren't what they were maybe several months ago, still its value contribution to soy complex is more than it's been in the past. And so that's been driving crush expansion that's been a little bit more incentivized by oil. So what that means is increased meal production in the years to come. The first wave of those plants is expected to come online this next marketing year. So that's what's exciting to see in terms of new crush coming online. Now, Marshall adds the impact of the increased crush capacity should show up in the next WASDE report, which will preview the new crop year. We might see some impact or uptick in crush resulting from having a new capacity come online. But again, announcements are not capacity, and capacity is not actual use or production. So bear that in mind. It's an exciting trend that we're seeing where we can have this crush expansion. That certainly means more access to points of delivery, smaller bases for some farmers in historically underserved parts of the country. So it's incredibly exciting, and it does, I think, lead to a notable shift in what can potentially be our meal supply and opportunities for domestic animal ag producers as well as buyers of meal around the world. And that next WASDE report is set to be released on Friday morning at 11 a.m. Central Time from USDA. You can keep up with the latest news from the United Soybean Board as well online, unitedsoybean.org, and every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central on RFD TV. Well, farmers across wheat country have faced varying conditions from the end of last year through the beginning of this year. Everything from drought in the west to flooding in the northern plains. Andrew Easton, UPL Technical Services Manager, says that will likely lead up to weed and pest pressures that farmers will need to control this spring. The conditions that we're currently sitting in today, we've got a lot of moisture. And the moisture really started this last fall. We started getting a bunch of rains and that really just transitioned into kind of an early winter for us. We started getting snowpack around November, kind of like Thanksgiving time frame. And the snow and the precipitation really hasn't shut off at all. So as I look outside my office, we've actually got more rain, more snow coming. And it seems like the white stuff is just not leaving. So one thing that growers are going to have to think about as they start planning for their cereal grain production is what's going to happen in this wet environment that we've gotten. That's definitely something that's going to affect how we approach our production practices in cereal grains this year. UPL has a new all-in-one combination herbicide called Battalium Amped to help out growers. It's a unique combination of groups two, four, and six. And as we think about what wet conditions do to our agronomic practices, grasses thrive in moist environments. And so one thing to think about and consider for sure is like, how are you going to be managing grasses in your production this coming season in cereal grains? And so by using Battalion Amp in its superior grass control, it's going to be one way that you're going to be able to manage your grass issues that you're going to have in this wet environment that we're in. Battalion Amp is really effective not only on grasses, but also on a whole host of broadleaf weeds as well. So as we think about things like co we think about winter annual, like field honeycrust, winter mustard, pigweed as well, battalion amp. It's really going to be the all-in-one product. It's going to be the one-stop shop that can provide convenience during application timing, but it's also going to provide phenomenal agronomic effect, and you're really going to get a good jump start on controlling those grasses this coming year. And Easton talks about diseases and pest pressures growers should be alert for. When I think about disease, I think that we're certainly going to have an issue with that this coming production season just because of the wet year that we're having. And like I had mentioned, all of the fall precipitation, all the snowpack that we've had, and then all of the ongoing rains we're currently getting. I think we're going to have a wet environment 
in our wheat production this year. One thing to be considering is a quality preventative fungicide at herbicide timing like Evito 480SC. Evito is a product that we have. It's a preventative fungicide. It's in the strombolerin family of chemistry, and it is phylloxystrobin, and it's highly effective on stripe rust and tan spot in wheat. It's very conveniently added into any herbicide program. So you can put Evito directly into your herbicide tank. It's very well with Battalion Amp. They mix very well together. They're very tank mix friendly, and both of them are highly effective on a lot of the pests that we're going to be thinking about controlling this coming year. Growers can learn more by contacting their local UPL representative or visiting battaliumamped.com. This has been American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.